update now you stupid cunt jesus christ these people are so bitchy where's my meeting oh there it is start okay okay ready hello god you're stupid how dare you you know you've been so punchy lately and i think you need to get fucked 
Hold on, let me turn off my bill for selfies. You need to get fucked, Reagan. You're so punchy lately. Mean. Am I? Yeah, you're a little mean. Mean. Mm. mean. It's a cycle of abuse. It is the cycle of abuse. Mm. Mark tried to warn you, Mark Felian. Well, he knows. Yeah. Sure. Uh, hold on, I gotta tell. I want. I'm invited, Lizzie. Lizzie Potter also. I gotta tell her we're on. She's already had the Zoom controller. She's on Eastern Time, you know. You hear me? I do. I just think that. Are you when eating? You're inviting somebody Are you to eating? You know, I miss a phone. To come onto your gram, which is a service that you need to say you need to figure it out, and you need to say, "Come on, four o'clock your time." The thing is, Reagan, is that you're eating now on my show, and we know we've discussed how misophonic I am and how misophonic you are. So well, I, you have I to be punished. Well, it's punishment. But you're punishing yourself also because you're going to listen to this, and you're going to have to hear uh, yourself me and then all horrible eating. Okay, noise. here I'll do a compromise because I'm chewing gum. Mm. So when well, Leslie gum. Potter is speaking, I will mute, and then I'll chew. And then, but I'll park it in between my gums. I'll park the gum in between my gums. You could also but just not chew gum. Who needs to, why do you need to chew gum? What is even the point? Because of that? I've had so much tea today. I just, I'm like, caffeine is coursing through my veins right now. What does that have to do with gum? Well, because now my, it's almost like when you do Coke mm -hmm. and you're just like, oh, I need to chew some gum. My jaw is just, you know. Chewing gum, like at the seahorse party. Mm -hmm. I'm Reagan Zahara from the house of Zahara. So many loads I've taken today. today. There's Leslie. I can hear her come in. Leslie Pooter. Oh, we, we see your face. Oh, don't you look <gasps> oh, Leslie Potter, you're so cute. Thanks. Wow. Okay, I'm going to turn off my camera now. Okay. That's not at all what I imagined Leslie Potter to look like. She's so she, cute. You thought she'd be obese? Oh, thank like you. Me? You thought she'd be a fatty? I thought she would have, like, really short hair and glasses and lots of turquoise jewelry and kind of, like, yeah. smudges of, you know, clay. Oh, I no. I think okay. um, you look like, from that brief... A video we saw of you, it's, it looked like you were running away from a mass murder in some, you know, farm scene. You know, like you're running away from oh. a farmhouse from a murder, except you're smiling. Maybe because you killed yeah. him. No, yeah. um, I'm walking over to the tennis courts right now. Oh, you're going to play tennis? No, they didn't put the uh, nets back up yet. Oh, well, you can play tennis. I also don't know how to play tennis. Reagan's chewing gum. You might as well play tennis. I mean, everybody's just doing their own thing, you know? Oh, well, I have a coffee. Oh, that's nice. What were we <laughs> going to talk about? Oh, Reagan, you were going to talk about, you're a fan of this, you were sort of the court TV reporter for this uh, egg lady. What is her name, Miss Edie? Gwyneth Paltrow? Hold on, I, I, hold on. Hold on. Yeah. I have to switch over to my... What is going on with the okay. eggs? And okay, that's Gwyneth good. So it has nothing jade. to do with eggs, but it is very, it's a very important trial um, <laughs> because one of her attorneys is really hot. I yeah. like how these like celebrity trials, there's always like whoever the biggest star is in it will have at least one really hot attorney yeah. on their team. Right. Yeah. 
So what has happened is Gwyneth Paltrow, who is married to Brad Falchuk, who is um, the writing partner and production partner of the guy who does all the gay shows. Ryan's Murphy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I did not know that they were married, but at any rate, they were on a ski trip many years ago, and this is my interpretation of it. Um, Mm -hmm. This guy basically skied into Gwyneth Paltrow, Mm -hmm. and he hurt himself. He was an older guy, and after he found out he got into the collision with Gwyneth Paltrow, then my opinion from watching it was like he perfect opportunity for a shakedown. And so he tried to claim that she ran into him and sued her for $3 million. And so it, this is the civil case playing out. Why is it on TV? And why do I wake up in the morning to these news? I get a news bulletin from Reuters. Gwyneth Paltrow's trial is about to start. Why is this big news? I don't understand. And what does this have to do with eggs on your pussy? Because I never thought of that. What about it? Yeah, so she is, she, I was trying to explain this all to my mom. Right. Because my mom was like, I was like, well, she has a lot of money. So they're trying to Mm -hmm. shake her down. And my mom, she just doesn't understand a lot of things. She goes, well, she hasn't been in a movie for a really long time. I'm like, Mm -hmm. yeah, but mom, she's like an influencer now. She has this website, Goop, and she sells all of these products. And one of the products that she sells is a jade egg, Mm -hmm. aka the Goop egg, which sounds awful. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's, it's, it's a little jade egg that you pop in your pussy. Right. And you... I guess clinch around it. Yeah. And it's you know, a lot of the shit on her website is just bullshit. You know, <laughs> you know, it's just uh-huh. like, oh, I, I want a jade egg. And yeah. but all of these doctors have come out against the jade egg and said that's not good for you to put a jade egg in your JJ. <laughs> Why not? Um I well, I don't know the science behind it, Madge. But, well, let's ask Leslie Potter because she is has... so hot that I had to pop in the jade egg. Well, Leslie Potter had... has a vagina, unlike you, who just has a rectum, but you don't use yours anyway, Reagan, so it doesn't matter. Would but... you like me to Google this or to yes. chat GPT it? Either way. The goop egg? Would you ever Why stick a, a goop jade egg in your vagina, Leslie Potter? Or... Have I ever? Would you? Yeah. Have you? Would you? Would What's I? the story? Yeah. Probably. You would? Hmm. No. Wow. I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, how big is the egg? How it's big is it? It's not that big. It, it, I thought it was going to be a lot bigger. I was disappointed, but I'm a size queen. Right. But according mm-hmm. to this OBGYN, it says that inserting foreign objects into the mm-hmm. vagina increases the risk of infection and toxic shock syndrome. Jade is a semi-porous material, which means that bacteria can get in and stay in the toy even after it's cleansed. Isn't that kind of a stretch to call a jade egg a toy, though? I mean, just... Yeah, I I feel like there's no give there. It's just hard. Yeah. I can't imagine that feeling good. Plump. Yeah, I don't... I don't know. If it and then you have to lay it to get it out, like a chicken. <laughs> you do right. have to lay it. <laughs> why, why are you in the bathroom so long? I'm laying my jade egg. <laughs> I'm hatching an egg right now. Well, they had eggs on that show, uh, The Game of Thrones, and then they, they turn into dragons. 
maybe if you could it produce something, you know, like an animal. Yeah, I think if I were to lay an egg that would hatch a dragon, then yes. But um, I don't think this jade egg she's selling does any sort of hatching. What about a drag queen egg? That would be cool if it it laid a drag queen. You know, I I wouldn't mind that. That would be cool, too. And then we could ban it. Well, you know, it's funny that you mention this because I Mm -hmm. am working on a a scholarly essay right now about Mm -hmm. the popularization of the term groomer okay because i'm i'm fascinated by how much traction it's gotten in the last year yeah and one of the fascinating things about groomer is this is just the latest reinvention of this 1970s 1980s far-right ultra-religious uh myth well, not necessarily myth, but one of the talking points among um, religious people in the mm. 70s and 80s was that gay people can't read. <laughs> it's just so stupid. It's so fucking dumb. Okay. Is that gay people can't reproduce. <laughs> therefore, they have to recruit children. And so, <laughs> and the reason why I'm laughing is because even though I've been writing about this, I'm just now kind of realizing one of the many fallacies upon which this argument rests, oh my which God, is, yeah. uh, you know, how <laughs> the, there used to be like right wing uh, talking heads that would say, what we need to do is we need to get all the gay and lesbian people and put them on an island and then they won't they won't be able to reproduce like it's such a fundamental well, misunderstanding it, it implies of like that, hey you realize it's heterosexual people it implies that create. gay people don't occur naturally because it implies that the only way you can get a gay person is by grooming one and creating one because where how else would a, a, a gay person happen right you have to make oh them. that's what they mean by grooming it sounds like yeah that. so it, it's kind of you know even though that the logic upon which um, this, like the earlier manifestations of quote unquote grooming came about, this Ooh. is now a way of saying. And, and so like, if you look at um, Florida, you know, recently mm. passed its version of the don't gay, don't say gay law, which is, yeah. which is titled something like the parental rights and education act or something totally misleading. Right. Mm-hmm. Um mm. And DeSantis's press secretary claimed that she's calling it the um, the anti-grooming law. And if you're against it, you must have you must be a groomer, or you have no problem with four to eight year olds being, you know, brought into the game must be fold. Mm-hmm. But, um, but there's nothing in that law that addresses actual grooming, right? Like, yeah. look at all of these members of the church and all of these heterosexual people who are actually grooming children to have sex with them or sexually trafficking children. There's nothing. So what does grooming actually mean? That is actually against grooming. All it is, is saying that in public schools, you can't let people, you can't let students know that gay people exist. So what does grooming actually mean? It means you're, what does it mean? 
What is so that that mind? is that that's the beauty, uh, and this is kind of like the point of my analysis that there are what are called ideographs in political speech. An ideograph is a it's an intentionally vague term, like mm. an intentionally ambiguous term that people can get behind, kind of like wokeness. If you ask somebody who is quote unquote anti woke, what does woke mean? They're not able to answer that. Right. And it's the same thing with grooming. Like when you start asking people what is grooming, I mean, unless they really want to tell on themselves, I mean, I, I think what they think it means is that gay and lesbian people are actively recruiting children. That's what they're implying. That's what the insinuation is. Recruiting them to do what, though? Well, I think if you kind of follow their, here's really what it boils down to. When children understand that heterosexuality and that the sex binary is not the, those are not the only viable options. Mm -hmm. There are Mm -hmm. other ways that you can identify. In their mind, that is grooming a child to be to adopt a non-normative stance on their gender and or sexuality but is that what grooming is i thought grooming is like trying to get a kid i thought it had to do with like pedophilia i thought it had to do with getting children yes but both of those things are true it is but really what it comes down to is so like the reason why that that press secretary is saying oh you know they're grooming children is they're playing around it's cut here let me back up Mm -hmm. remember when clinton got impeached he got impeached because he said under oath i did not have sexual relations with that woman monica Lewinsky." of course so he wasn't impeached because he got a blowjob from monica Lewinsky. he was impeached because under oath he quote unquote lied yes um and so then his defense was, well, where I'm from, sexual relations means penetrative sex. And so he played around with the ambiguity yeah. of the term sexual relations. And that's what these far right people are doing. They're they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. Because on one mm-hmm. side, they'll say, if if you push them, if you push one of these politicians, are you trying to say that gay people are grooming children to have sex with them because that's not backed up by data and in fact if if you want to look at what is statistically significant objective data we should keep children out of churches (laughs) not out of like drag shows or you know drag readings at libraries right and protect Um, them if you look at what's statistically significant like i just retweeted this thing with john stewart where he had this uh right-wing politician on and he was who's against um, drag shows and and drag readings at libraries. And he's like, the number one killer of children is, is guns. Mm -hmm. So, so here you're trying to like stir up all this animosity and fear against this like amorphous threat. That's not real, but you don't give a fuck about things that are actually killing our children that's true and this is what also in addition to that i what i see is there's some big things we're not we're only protecting kids from guns we're not protecting them from guns just drag queens but we're also not protecting kids from 
from climate catastrophe at all. We don't care. And we're not protecting kids from, you know, just having mountains of debt as adults. We're not protecting kids from being indebted, you know. We're, we're not protecting kids to so many things. We're not protecting kids' nutrition and health. But we're protecting no. them against drag queens, and that's all. And I can't make any sense out of it. It's just so weird. So fucking it doesn't make crazy. Sense. I mean, why is this? Why the avoidance? I mean, it's got to be some sort of a deflection, right? What do you call it? Like, um, I don't know, a distraction, right? It could I don't be. Think it's well. I mean, it, it depends on who you're talking to. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. Talking to you, honey. Know that a, a lot of Leslie. these conservative um, politicians necessarily mm-hmm. believe half of the stuff that they get behind. Yeah. I think it's a way for people to get votes. Well, and clearly, right? and that's it, what, and that's what the, the Tucker Carlson stuff proved is that here you have a guy who speaks so, you know, adamantly, you know, in favor of Trump. And then you find out he just doesn't believe any of it. He knows it's bullshit and he's just doing it to make money. And you'd think that that would like somehow get traction and people would say, gee, maybe, maybe it's all bullshit, but I guess they don't get that message. The people that watch Fox well, news don't, really get that news do they so there is a um i've said this on your program before but Mm -hmm. it always strikes me as a bit absurd when people on the right claim that they're against identity politics yet their identity is so tied up into their politicians like trump right you don't see people on the left driving their cars with like Biden flags flowing from them or Biden shirts and Biden trucker caps and Biden stickers and all of this stuff. It's just, and uh, what struck me with Trump's latest rally in Waco of all places, um, (laughs) which God, I I thought it was pronounced Waco, isn't it? It's very scary. I just watched the three part documentary um, on Waco on Netflix and so here you have this president who's an insurrectionist mm-hmm. and um and really led that insurrection um called for violence going to the site of the most significant domestic tragedy since the civil war and i didn't realize that there was such a direct connection between timothy mcveigh who was the oklahoma bomber and um and uh, uh, Waco and, and the Branch Davidians, like he was there. I didn't know that. He, he, he yeah. You watch this documentary. What's the documentary? Um, he, he committed that crime in Oklahoma, right? As a means of revenge for what happened in Waco, mm-hmm. and and so and um, a lot of like the like the way that you think of the Proud Boys now really get. It gets its roots in Waco. So Trump's decision to have that rally in Waco is very scary. And his speech saying that they're coming after you, what he's doing is he's become a vessel for these people. So when people, you know, when the government comes after Trump for very legitimate reasons, he's making it seem like oh, this isn't just about me and crimes I've committed. They're actually coming after you and because you believe in this sort of ideology. And so it's such an unfair conflation of what's actually happening. But when he does that so successfully, when people whose 
identities are so bound up into uh, Trump's personality. I, I think things are going to get scary. Well, they are scary. They're already scary when I see these bills that are going through. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's scary. But you know what else scared me? And I don't know if you've heard of this. We don't have, I didn't even know we were going to have a serious conversation, to be honest. I just thought we were going to talk about oh, Le- we don't have to. Leslie's uh, pottery and, and stuff about the Jade Egg. But there's one thing that's been coming up. I, I know you've probably heard about the this TikTok. They call it a TikTok ban. But if you look at the details of the bill, and unfortunately, I've only skimmed it. So if you have if have no further information than me, it's probably not worth discussing. But it turns out that the this bill, which has bipartisan support, is is not just about TikTok. And I have a lot of issues with TikTok and the Chinese government. I, I deleted it from my phone. But this bill gives whoever the executive branch, whoever's in charge, in other words, even if Trump comes back, anybody in charge, uh, the ability to censor the Internet. And to me, it reads a lot like what China does with the internet. So by they're calling it a TikTok ban, but really it's giving huge overarching power to our government to censor the internet and powers to inspect the internet to ensure compliance. And there's even some wording about if you use a VPN, then that that could be a huge fine or or you know a felony or anything. Have you have you guys heard about that? I briefly skimmed it. No. What was sent in the Telegram chat? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you, Reagan? Have you have you heard about this at all? Um, I don't know all the intricacies of the mm. TikTok ban yeah. um, or, or potential ban. I do know that Utah just recently uh, or, or is yeah. um, considering legislation that would make it to where children and teenagers, basically anybody who's not an adult, can only have social media if it's directly approved their through their parents and for certain their hours, parents right? would have to uh, have access to all of their emails and messages and stuff like that. So yeah, I think redefining the parameters of the internet yeah. is pretty scary. Yeah, it's, it is. Well, I, I don't know. I guess all I can say then is we should all take a look at this bill and see the wording. Cause this could be like, you know, I remember when the DCMA came out and that had huge ramifications that we're still dealing with, you know, you can't even play a fucking song without, you know, getting your, um, you know, your YouTube video deleted and that studio legislation that happened even before YouTube was invented. Well, look at the, the British thing with cookies. Like I'm so tired of approving cookies every time I go to a website. I oh no yeah. Idea. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, cookie I was saying the bake off. You're talking about internet cookies. Yeah. I thought you were talking about food. I'm sorry. Like that old lady internet who makes cookies. the the cookies with the the contest? Not, Not the yummy cookies. Not yummy. Oh, okay. Well, that shows where my mind is. Anyway. Mm. So Leslie, what's up with you? How is your pottery going? Anything anything new i know when you were on the show about a month ago you said you were making pottery and then you showed pictures to me and you can maybe i can put them on the grim report but there's beautiful pottery and they look just like vaginal lips yeah that's what i was kind of channeling with it um i feel like it looked very suggestive Mm -hmm. um that was my first time working with porcelain i really like that i'm going to continue working with it and i think i'm going to go with that like suggestive kind of vaginal theme throughout it. Do you think they look like to see it indirectly think vagina, but like subtly, yeah. like maybe vagina? Not having seen my pussy clips yet, 
Uh, do you think it looks like what my vagina would look like? Is that what my vagina looked like to you in your mind's eye? Maybe, maybe subconsciously I was thinking that. Or maybe that's how it felt since it's tactile, right? Yeah, and we yeah. were talking the whole time, so. Yeah. Have you seen the show The Great Pottery Throwdown on HBO? No, I haven't, but <gasps> people keep recommending <gasps> it to me. It's so good. It's my favorite <laughs> reality show. I love it what? so much. It, I want to start doing pottery so bad because of it. What's so I great about it? it? It's like, uh, imagine, it's like the great British Bake Off. It's the same producers. Oh. But um, instead of baking, it's a bunch of potters. Oh. And they have different challenges every week. And one person's eliminated. And the cast of people is, I think I've talked to you about this before, Madge. Well, you texted me. We haven't discussed things, it. One of the things that I love about it is mm -hmm. that U.S. reality shows are so conflict-based, and uh, this production team just casts really interesting people, so there's never any conflict, but everybody on the show is so lovable, and it, you don't miss the conflict whatsoever. Would you say it's like a friendly competition? It's a very friendly competition. They're all really <sighs> supportive of one another, and I love those kinds of competitions. Yeah, yeah. I, I love it. It's heartwarming. It makes me so happy. I love watching people produce something that's beautiful. And and they, they don't just do pottery. I mean, they make, like, they'll have one week, there will be a challenge where they have to make something really big. Like one, one season, they had to make urinals. Oh. oh my god and uh, it was they must have looked they, incredible oh they were beautiful you know beautiful and uh and they say urinal there urinal was really I like yeah that. oh i yeah, didn't know really they good. say urinal urinal other time like another big competition week they made these uh, this was porcelain actually mm. they had to do porcelain um uh chandeliers Oh my god! I need to watch yeah. this show. Did I, it's what is it on? Is it on it's, like Netflix? No, it's on HBO. When they HBO. made the chandeliers, did Finetris, uh did Finetris clean them? Like <laughs> Finetris, I need you to really get up in there. You will clean, clean all the fecal matter off of the urinal. lights, <laughs> off the urinal. <laughs> Uranus. Um. You know, I don't understand what's happening in theater because, like, I go to theater now and, like, ugh, I have to be careful because, you know, fortunately nobody listens to this show. But, like, okay, hmm. I know somebody who has a theater company. Let's not name names. You do too, maybe. But this person has always done really edgy creative shows, you know, when it's always transgressive and very offensive and you know, horrible, you know, dark way, you know, blue humor, let's say. And now that's not okay, right? It's not okay to do that. Blue humor is basically illegal for all practical purposes, even though it's not. But so this this person has now replaced his blue humor with these like sort of, I don't know, these not funny shows where everybody's represented and there's nobody hot in them. Like So this this one show I saw the other day, it's, it's about like some, it's kind of like Vegas in space where it's these, kind of it's kind of like star wars but with they've queered it so it's all these like queer people in space you know when they go to a planet that's homophobic and then they you know and they're trying to get rid of the gayness and the head alien doesn't know there's a closet case and they run around and 
costumes. But anyway, the point is nobody is cute. <laughs> like the star of the show that you have to sit there and watch for two hours, who's barely clothed, is is a is a is an obese person with like completely out of shape. Now, you know, five years ago, even you wouldn't do a you know you would have a, a that would be somebody hot, but nobody is hot anymore. They're all fat, and you know, and then. I don't know where I'm going with this. Why is everything awful? And yeah, I, I don't. I don't. I think you're kind of mixing up some issues here. <laughs> yeah. So I got. I decided it was stupid to talk about in the middle of talking about it. Yeah, that is pretty dumb. I, <laughs> I will say, I some things. Yeah, some things yeah. have changed, and things are yeah. definitely more "quote unquote" politically correct or yeah. woke. Uh, but I, some of it's for the better. Not all um, of it. I mean, I do think that we've overcorrected. But um, I remember, gosh, I mean, about 18 years ago, being raked over the coals because on my podcast, mm -hmm. I made a case for why gay actors should play gay roles. Yeah. You know, you have all these people who don't want to think too deeply about the issue, mm -hmm. who are just kind of looking at the, the surface level of things and going, well, acting, anybody should be able to act. You don't have to be the exact person that you're acting. I'm like, that's not a, it's not my point. It's totally right. missing the point. But now I think people have evolved on that issue. And um, the reason why I bring this up is because we're talking about diversity and representation yeah. and stuff like that. And I just watched that M. Night Shyamalan movie, Knock at the Cabin. Mm -hmm. And uh, in that movie, I, I won't do anything to spoil it you but you have it. two gay okay. fathers yeah. and their daughter uh mm -hmm. at a cabin and it's the end of the world basically yeah. and they're presented with like this sophie's choice situation um and it was super meaningful to me yeah. when i watched this movie i sobbed throughout the third act that there were gay actors Playing gay people. Playing gay people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it, it was just, it was so meaningful to me, especially, yeah. you know, right after Brendan Fraser wins this Academy Award for The Whale. And it, I have no, it's not necessarily my issue is with him in particular, but it's like every time there's this like really meady LGBTQ role yeah. and it goes to a straight actor. Oh, that's like, funny. I thought you were going to say because he's their head saying, I hope I'm the last person to do this. I thought you were going to complain because he is not morbidly obese and you went to the gay angle, which I haven't even thought of the fact that he was, I didn't even know. Is he straight? I don't even know whether he's straight or gay. No, he's straight. He's straight. Um, I, I didn't even think about it. I just thought about the fact that he's fat. But then I'm thinking, I was about to say, well, how could, can you imagine Amy Slayton playing that role? I mean, you know, you have to be able to move, but you're taking a completely different angle. I just don't understand. Like, I get diversity. I think it's fine if gay people play gay. You know, I think that's good, you know, and all that shit. But I just don't understand, like, why things can't be funny anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I. Well, things can be, things can be funny. You know, weird. They, we're operating in a different time. There's still room for humor. I watch stuff that makes me laugh that's yeah. recently produced and it, it's genuinely funny. But I mean, I do think that we need to be more care. Like, <laughs> this is a, this is actually pretty funny. Yeah. So I was talking with my mom on the phone 
and somehow we started talking about Jennifer Lopez. Mm-hmm. And Jennifer Lopez. My mom, my mom went on this whole anti Jennifer Lopez kick. Yeah, and I was like, I don't understand why you don't like her. And she was like, Well, remember when we were at that restaurant and she was so loud. And I'm like, yeah, I remember. This is exactly what happened, okay? We were at a restaurant. Yeah. We were seated at the table right next to her. Mm-hmm. And my mom, all just like a mother, always wants a picture. You know, can you take our picture? Can you take our picture? Yeah. Every time we go out to eat. And so the server was like, the way that he would have to take the picture, Jennifer Lopez would be in the background of it. And he was like, I can't. I can't do that. And it totally made sense. I totally got it, you know, but my mom has rewritten this history in her head because that's the reason why she blamed Jennifer Mm. Lopez for that rather than the policy of the restaurant. Well, she is is her son's mother. That's all I can say. And so she goes on this whole, like this whole anti JLo rant. And so I've been sending her gifts of Jennifer Lopez. And one of the things that I remembered was South Park doing this thing where Cartman turns his hand into Jennifer Lopez. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he's doing this like ridiculously contrived, like his interpretation of a Latina accent. And yeah. like one of the things that my mom got on was her accent, her Bronx accent. I'm That's like, really okay, cool. whatever. But why but, can't um, people be? Why can't people be hot anymore in plays? I don't like nobody's hot anymore. I saw, uh, well, I saw Pr- Priscilla Queen that, of the in Desert. That play, I see plenty no, of hot I, people in plays. In me, in in Chicago, everything I've seen has nobody hot. I saw Priscilla Queen of the Desert, and in that musical, they have two, you know, men that walk around in you know little scantily clad outfits and the whole time and they're were they good in the were they good actors they were okay but they but they were horrible to look at they were cringe to look at because they were like horribly out of shape people in scantily clad outfits and it was just like ugh to me right but i'm not who's watching this today because that's the thing. The problem is I just my think reaction. That you're, I, I, I no, think my, you really need to talk. Honestly, me, you need to talk to a therapist okay. about this let, because I it's will. like the same thing. It's the same thing as my critique with the way that you represent Lizzo and how you talk about yeah. her. We it's haven't like, talked we don't about need Eve. We don't need to make it to where only beautiful people who are thin and look a certain way can produce art in our culture. That's true, but why does it so have to go to opposite? You, like though. fixate on these on the very few people who are able to break through and have any type of success who don't look the way you think no, they should I, look. I, you made your point about Lizzo. I get that. But I'm talking about and, and I'm perfectly willing to to be the I know that it's me, right? Because obviously because I knew as soon as I saw this this show and it finished and I didn't like it, I said to my uh, friend who I was with, I said, I guarantee this is gonna get great re- rave reviews and everybody's gonna love it in the papers. And I was right. They do. It got Jeff approved, which means it's recommended by the, you know, elite Chicago theater community. I knew it. My issue is not only that nobody's hot, but also why am I the only person that gives a shit? You know, I just don't understand Do you think it. The acting was good. Would you say? No. 
No, I thought like it was if all, no. the people were invisible and you couldn't no. see them, would you? Well, I, th- I guess I think you'd have it's to see yeah, them. But like, I, I do you th- think the acting was good? No, I don't. I, I feel like, and I don't think the script was good either. I feel like they're it's the emperor's new clothes, and everybody's just kind of virtue signaling. To be honest, I just think it's garbage. <laughs> I just do mm-hmm. because it doesn't. So make it's just me a laugh. bad show in general. I thought so. Yeah, I mean, everything pretty much was bad about. Well, it. then focus. I I don't under. I just don't get the point of focusing yeah. on the way like somebody's weight in yeah. order to make that point like why why fixate on that when you can say i, I think a more valid cri- criticism would be this wasn't a good show because if know? it was a hot like, person if it was the a hot wasn't good the production yeah. wasn't good and i have said that in private but if if i mean outside of this show but because if if it was a hot person in the in the main role it would have been bearable and I think that's probably why they do that a lot of times, you know, is that it would have been enjoyable because at least I would have been able to look at a hot person the whole time instead of just bad acting, bad play, shit I don't get, you know. I just feel like I'm in this world that I don't understand all of a sudden, you know. I just, I don't know, like people are trying well, to. I can, re- I can relate to that. It's like there's so many rules in, about being offensive. Maybe in, instead of know. bristling up against those changes. Yeah. You can say, oh, some of these changes are a good thing. Well, I think they are a good thing in some ways. I mean, certainly being inclusive is good. Be giving people an opportunity to act in these shows that wouldn't otherwise, you know, that would normally be, you know, all, you know, white, cisgendered, whatever is good. But at the same time, I don't know. I would say it still has to be entertaining, but. Most people do seem to be entertained, so I'm kind of at a loss. I don't know. I just feel like I'm in the wrong world. This is just imagism, and so Mm. I'm just kind of entertaining you for the sake of entertaining the argument that you're making, but I know that the ultimate point is just to kvetch, right? It's not actually about the point that you're making, because then the flip of this will be Madge saying, well, yeah, when I go on to TikTok, I just hate watch all these people who are so beautiful, and they have their hundreds of videos where they're changing clothes magically with stop motion stuff and... They have, they're dancing around with their perfect bodies and I hate them. You know, it's like, you just want, you're a misanthrope. All I am is my point of pretty much everything is just to complain. Yes. I don't expect to change anything. However, I, I, I think it's much better and, Mm. um, a lot less problematic when you punch up instead of punching down. I'm not punching down when it, I am punching down. Sometimes Lizzo and I, this is my, this is really my issue that I have with what you were saying about Lizzo. Lizzo is punching up just because she's a fat black woman. Doesn't mean it's punching down. She is, she has way higher status than I do. She is a famous, famous rich person. I mean, that's that's, so I'm not punching down. Your, your critique is not just Mm -hmm. limited to when you reduce Lizzo to her weight which is what you do when no, you're in front of her. No, I don't. Then I reduce to her to somebody who implications of no, that. I don't. People I, who are embedded in yeah. a very fat phobic culture mm-hmm. walk away and think, well, God, even if I was really talented at something, no. all no. people are going to be able to do is fixate on yeah. my I, weight. I understand you would think that. And that makes sense because if I was doing that, yeah, I would see like, I am punching down in that I am pointing out that her, this group she belongs to, which is, you know, overweight, you know, even though she's rich, it, 
I'm offending all the other people that are overweight that most of them are not rich. However, my point is not that she's overweight. My point is that her body is disgusting and she's just sticking it in people's faces in a way that says, my body's disgusting and I'm showing it to you. And isn't it fucking hilarious? The joke's on you. That's why I see it. Like she wear, I mean, did you see that? Like she takes her panties down and like sticks her ass in everybody in the audience's face and they're paying while she's playing a flute. She pulls her panties down bare assed and sticks her ass in everyone's face. And I'm not allowed to make fun of that. Right. Well, socially, no, you're allowed to make fun of yeah, it. Yeah, and that's what I'm doing. You make fun of it a lot. Yeah, and that's what I'm doing. You also have to be open. But to I'm the not idea punching down because of that, that and listen to you hearing cool. you say that characterize her body as disgusting and and take issue with that but it is disgusting when you do that with it when you show it into people when you shove it in people's face you it, shove it up. reminds me of people saying about gay people why do you have to like when people overhear two gay guys who are in a relationship you know say something loving to one another and a homophobic person is like why do you have to shove it in our face? Mm-hmm. Why do you? I, I don't have a problem with you. I've it, it, to me, it's equivocation. Yeah, that's a fair point. I'll take that. Yeah, I just think that there are. You know, one of the things that you're fond of doing is, <clears throat> like, if you find something uh, like not more important than healthcare or the Iraq mm-hmm. war or, you know, whatever, you kind of will create this um, straw figure argument where it's like, well, why are you spending time thinking about this when you could be thinking about the environment as right. if people aren't capable of multiple things, but then you get really in a tizzy about something super insignificant <laughs> like Lizzo. Well, Yeah. Well, nobody's perfect, are they? <laughs> right? That was such a great response. <laughs> that was such a great response. And at least, and those people, the people that I do, and I don't use TikTok, I told you because I delete it, but the, the horrible people that I follow on Instagram that I hate watch, they're very, they're hot. Even though, and then when there is one, what's that? Oh, what is, um, Leslie, do you remember the name of that horrible, I don't want to say horrible because now I've been shamed, but that beautiful woman, Jamie Weinberg, right? And is she the really heavy girl that's always changing her outfits with all the lumps. And they, they were saying, cause I don't listen to any of these videos. They were saying in my telegram chat that she actually berates skinny people, which oh, I have no idea if she does or not, but I would say, uh, and so she was on my the people you scroll my my what do you call it my algorithm or whatever but other than her and and as soon as i i I was like at some point with the hate like for me it's like i have to hate them but there has to be something enticing about them so that i don't you know delete well if you look at the comments on her videos on youtube versus on like tiktok or instagram it's a Mm. totally different like type of person that's commenting on youtube she gets a lot of hateful comments and it's Mm -hmm. things like you need to apologize to this person that you said horrible things to and like people asking her to apologize for all these things that she's done on youtube but then on tiktok it's people that are like praising her for her confidence do you guys agree somebody 
I think it was actually Adam Gray to say I didn't. I only heard this third person from a tweet, but he said, I think it was him, said, uh, Instagram shows me what I hate and TikTok shows me what I love. Is that true? Because I don't even use TikTok, so I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I I get like a lot of, well, I deleted my Instagram the other day, but when I had it, oh. I'd get a lot of bird videos because I like to look at birds. And then yeah. on TikTok, I get a lot of like business-related videos. Why did you delete it? Uh, Because I'm going to make another one. Oh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's a weird reason. Oh, just because you had, yeah, okay. I get it. Sometimes you just want to clean things, right? But anyway, my the thing yeah. is, I was I was like, everyone's hot on my the ones that survive the cut of not being too annoying. Yeah, they're, they're all hot people. So what does that say about me? You know, I don't know. Well, do you enjoy watching them? I hate watching them, but I do enjoy watching them, or I wouldn't want. So it's them, like a love hate thing. I guess. I guess Reagan's right. Mm. I do need therapy. I'm one. Reagan, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're from LA, right? Not from, but I live. Yeah, I live. I've lived here for 17 years. Did you ever go to the? I think it's called the Calla Lily Valley. No, it's in LA. No, I want to go there. They have a lot of calla lilies. They're beautiful. Yeah, it looks beautiful. It looks like a heaven. Hmm. Are you looking oh, it up? Wow. Yeah, I am. It look, it does look really beautiful. I don't want to look it oh, up because wow. I'm afraid I'll really crash pretty. my computer. Mm. Well, anyways, yeah, that's one of my. I this kind of ties into, I guess, what Matt was talking about, where how I hate fat people. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, I got something about human nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I've lived in LA. 17 years but i never go out and do any of these things like calla lily valley i didn't even Mm -hmm. know that it existed right but even now that i know that it exists i doubt that i'll go and you know i um like there's a phrase i'm the author of my own drama or Mm -hmm. you know whatever like there is something about humanity where we are drawn to the things that uh don't always bring us joy and Mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting there's this scene in one of larry david's episodes from last season uh curb your enthusiasm and he he goes to some doctor or his lawyer's office and you know when he goes to flirt with the receptionist and he goes wow that's a fantastic view boy what a great view how long did it take you to take it for granted she said about two (laughs) about two days yeah, that's what I figured. I love him. He's oh, so great. So good. You know, I could never watch him because he looked exactly like my father. And then as soon as my father died, I watched every episode. I just love it. Don't ask me why. I mean, I didn't, you know, I, I loved my father, but I for some reason, I couldn't watch him on TV because I- Oh, that show is a perfect show for you, too. It's such a fucking great show. God. And yeah, Susie? It's really fantastic. God, it's just it's so good. It's, it's better than brutal. Seinfeld, I think. Yeah. Well, I didn't I never watched Seinfeld. I was on drugs the whole time and I never got a chance to get and now when I try to catch up, I'm like, I just can't deal with the outfits. You know, I'm like, what? That hair, those <laughs> the tucked in shirts, I just I can't I can't deal with it. 
And there are too many episodes. I no. mean, if I see something that has like nine seasons or ten seasons, I'm like, oh, I can't. I just so, can't do all of it. Reagan, that. I want to ask you, um, what about your four dates? Did you have any of them yet? No. Why not? No. And in fact, I was so I was out on Saturday night. So mm-hmm. my modus operandi is to go out once a week. It's the only night of the week that I drink anything, but yeah. I get loaded. You know, yeah. I'm all, in, you know, world poker tour. I'm all in. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I was super wasted. It was toward the end of the night. And I was sitting on the perimeter of the dance floor and a cute guy, at least cute in my drunken state, I thought, uh, came up and started talking to me. And then I do this thing where all the time where I'm like, I had to use the restroom and I remove myself from the situation. Mm-hmm. And then I think I came back and I couldn't find him, and I was sad about it but it happens all the time whenever anybody is like shows any interest in me i just sort of clam up and i yeah yeah do you actually have to use the restroom or i don't nervous thing that's a fair question but i just don't remember but reagan you Mm. unlike myself are in therapy so can't isn't this something you can well no now my therapist Mm. was like i i don't have to go to therapy anymore what yeah, she did this thing where she was like, you know what? Everything seems to be going really well for you right now. Why don't we, instead of doing every two weeks, I'll talk to you again mm. in two months. So then I oh, talked wow. to her again in two months. And she was like, you know what? I really think that you're fine. Yeah, okay. Obviously not a Jewish therapist who wouldn't let you leave her office. And, that, <laughs> you know, she would not consider it successful. Well, here's here's you're kind married. of the realization that yeah. I have made. Mm-hmm. Um, the realization that I have made is that, like, we have these labels that we attach to gender and sexuality, right? Yes. And they're constantly evolving, yes. which is one of the things that what you said resonated with me before about how time goes by when you get middle-aged and you're like, oh, hold on. I feel like I'm totally out of place in the world that I live in because the terminology has changed. What what counts as like viable humor has changed. You know, yeah. there are all of these yeah. paradigmatic shifts yes. that you're a- immersed in, right? Mm-hmm. And you wake up one day and you just don't recognize the reality that you're embedded in. And um, so point being that the terms that we use for gender and sexuality have evolved so much from the time that I was a kid. And I recognize that where I'm at right now, there just may not be a term for where I'm at. And here's where I'm at. Mm-hmm. I'm attracted to men. When I masturbate, I watch gay porn. I, that you know, I know I'm attracted to men, but I am not a sexually driven person at this stage in my life. So I'm not going to say that I'm asexual because that would suggest that I'm not attracted to anybody. And so I guess there's a difference between attraction and maybe the inclination to act upon that attraction, which I I realize I'm getting into kind of dangerous territory because that sort of uh, mindset is also what like anti-gay people hate this hate the sin, love the sinner. But you also don't have to label it. Um, you don't have to label it. Whatever it huh? is. You you don't have to label what you are. 
Yeah, yeah. I, and and I guess I'm I, I'm more at peace with that. Like yeah. there's not a label for where I'm at right, right. now, but right. I'm I'm okay with uh-huh. where I'm at now. Like I I know that there is like pressure when I tell people how long it's been since I've had sex where they yeah. act all exasperated like, "Oh my gosh, you know, you have to work on this." But I I don't think it's anything that needs work. Yeah, I mean, it's, if you don't exactly. want to, you don't want to, and it's as simple as that. There's nothing it wrong is. with that. Um, it is, but it, yeah. I think it has taken me a long time to under to to really get that, you know, and yeah. and I think being able to articulate that to my therapist was one of the reasons why she was like, you know, what I I think you're good. But Reagan, right Reagan, your load count is. Zero <laughs> for the decade. Come on, Max Sahara. Well, that is true. See, I live vicariously through Max Max Sahara, Sahara Lord Queen Mare, Queen of a America, yeah. Queen of America. Yeah, it's Mare good. I do think that sometimes it always does seem to me that when you're not looking for it and you're most healthy is when you will it will appear if it's supposed to and that's very yeah Marianne i don't know if Williamson, i buy any of that either i think that that is kind of um okay i i think that is a platitude that we extend to people to make them feel better about being single because we're all yeah. programmed into the but no but i don't think I, I, that people I, I, ultimately need to end up with somebody right and so like mm. when you're not looking i mean i people have been telling me that for yeah a, a long time now and um i just i i it it's as meaningless to me as when i go check out at the grocery store and they at uh, the clerk says are you having a good day like it's, it's just a pleasantry yeah i think you should just I think the best thing to do is to just live every day and to do the things that make you happy and to not really worry about any of these things. If something happens, then it will happen, but nothing needs to happen. Exactly. Exactly. But that's not a platitude. Well, not a I, mean, <laughs> I, I think it's more of uh, like mindfulness, right? Like here's where I'm at in life. If I wanted to go out and actively date people, then I would do that. But it's just well, not. Why did you make the resolution? There's then? a re- reason why I'm not doing it. Well, and why, why did you make the resolution? I just assumed that there was something wrong. Okay, but why did you make? The, are you still going to do your resolution for the four dates? Because I'm Jewish, no, I'm not going to let. No, you're not. Uh-uh. So what changed since January? I whenever? think what changed was the aha moment mm-hmm. of. Like, oh, the reason why I would even formulate a resolution like that is because my mind was working with the presumption that there was something incorrect with me not putting myself out there. Okay, so let me just, you're right, that was a platitude I offered earlier. but So let me just be Madge for a minute and not platitude at all. The reason, I think the reason that Jewish mothers do what they do in that way, and I will be a Jewish mother a little bit in this regard, is they they try and force their kids into relationships. But it's not because it's the right thing to do, and it's not because, you know, and you know, cousin Sylvia, it's not because they're afraid of judgment. 
It's because they genuinely feel it is right for that person that they that that's what that person needs just like that person needs to be healthy just like that person needs financial stability just like that person needs whatever else i'm not putting on that list but it's like they want you to be in a relationship because they want you to be taken care of they want yeah. somebody to be there if and you're I sick want, you know I what want i mean that too that's right? that's I, yeah so I want that's what that the platitudes well. mean though but the and, difficulty yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. is that, that like, I would love to have, ultimately I would love, I would love to have a child. I would Mm -hmm. like to have a husband, but have a husband, have a husband. We have, um, so greatly enmeshed sex into all of that, that I have to or what I've done is untangle the sex component from all of that. And what does that mean? Because in any, in every relationship that I've ever been in, Mm -hmm. um, like I'm excited to have sex for the first time. And then after that, it becomes kind of like a chore for me. And, um, and I've spent a, you know, such a long time in my life trying to attribute that that duty <laughs> duty <laughs> that that sense of mm-hmm. obligation to have sex when i'm in a relationship when i don't necessarily want to have sex with like well maybe mm-hmm. beca- it was because i was sexually abused as a child or maybe yeah. it's because of this or because of that or maybe something's wrong with me with there's now more of a realization of who cares what the cause is yeah um and in fact, there may not be a cause. This might just be the way that I'm wired, that yep. I'm just not a very sexual person. Sure, and that's fine. And, but the thing is, in the gay yeah. community, one thing I've learned in the gay community is there is some something for everybody. You know, it doesn't matter what you look like or what your weird fetish is, you will find. So in other words, what I'm saying is, first of all, that's common. Everybody loses interest in sex over time. Now, yours sounds like it might be just more so than others, and it might be losing sex completely. But whatever that is, I guarantee there's plenty of people that would would you know compliment that. And yeah, maybe I'm doing the same thing where I'm I'm implying that you should be in a relationship because yes, I do think you should be in a relationship. But I also understand, you know, what you're saying. You know that so, it's certainly not going to do another, you any good to tell another you. Another component but. of all of this is mm-hmm. that I'm in a holding pattern in my life. So right. until I move out of West Hollywood, I don't know that I really want to start anything. Like I've thought about actually going on to Match.com, mm-hmm. you know, a site where you actually have to pay a good amount of money every month yeah. um, to use their services, and um, and really going on dates just to go like my friend Tracy was telling me she met her husband on some, you know, a site that's the equivalent of match. Um, And it was the first date that she went on. And she said, you know, when I was out on the date, we just went to get like a beer or something. And I, he wasn't really physically my type, but you know, we, I thought, Oh, we're going to have a really good friendship after this. And he gave her a peck um, Mm -hmm. when he walked her out to the car and she's like, and then it was like, boom, I knew. And I think that I'll be that, I think it will work for me that way. Um, 
And I, I've talked about this in relation to Big Brother, where the guys, when I moved into the house, the guys who I thought were the hottest within a week, I was like, oh, like, I'm not into this person yeah. at all anymore. I don't find them physically attractive at all. Um, and then the person who I found the least physically attractive was the one who I was the most attracted to within the yeah. first couple of weeks. You never, you just but never it's know. very hard in the gay community to form that sort of intellectual yeah. connection when so much of gay social bonding takes place in environments like bars, which the music is so high, you can't have a conversation with anybody. And um, everything is sort of looks-based. But so I think yeah. that once I move, mm -hmm. um, And uh, even can you repeat that last sentence? Because be I had beach, a glitch, which is just an hour away from where I, I live now. I, I had a I glitch. That'll be more conducive. To, Reagan, that'll had, be more conducive to me finding Reagan, a real relationship. I had a glitch. Can you go back? You said after I move, what? After I move, I I really really do believe that I will be in the headspace to be like, okay, I I'm willing to pay money to do match now and to go out on dates and to really be on the search for a forever person. Yeah. And it's, you know, one of the things that my therapist has said to me is it's like, it's not cooked up in my imagination that West Hollywood is yeah. a very difficult place when you are a middle-aged gay man trying to date somebody. I mean, it is. Mm -hmm. It's not like if I lived even in Houston or another major city, this is a place that's notoriously kind of shallow. I remember when I moved here, I had somebody telling me, yeah, West Hollywood is a bunch of nines looking for a 10. And, mm -hmm. um, and that's just not where my head or my heart is or are right now. You know, when I met my, it, my, these things happen in such weird ways. When I met my, lesbian wife it was over 11 years ago now we've only been married for under four since 2018 when i first met her it was in yoga class and she didn't even look at me for like the pat first you know like four class and i was looking at her like oh who is this hot bitch i you know i was just like mm -hmm. i'm i was upset and she wouldn't even give me a glance and i was so pissed so fine so eventually you know we let's just say hooked up um and it turns out that the reason she had never given me a glance is because every time in yoga class I had longish hair, I would wear a a bandana, a blue tie dye bandana that I've had for since nineteen ninety six when for the AIDS right. That's, it doesn't matter. I she just said you look like a douchebag with that fucking bandana on, and she oh she judged me for that bandana. You know what I mean? <laughs> so so then, but the little things. So then we hooked up, but then we didn't actually become girlfriends until many years later and i because she was seeing somebody else and i you know and i was like oh you know i have to have this person they need to be all mine and then i got all bitchy and controlling and that's part of why i moved to florida and then when i moved to florida then she came and visit me a couple times and somehow we developed an actual relationship it took god what a long time seven six seven years for that to actually get established my point is i don't really have one don't wear a blue bandana <laughs> yeah don't do that <laughs> just don't or maybe wear it and then you'll find like like madge's situation maybe the blue bandana yeah. did it i just know a lot of people reagan i know a lot of people in the gay community that don't it's not i know that there's people that 
don't need a relationship, don't run a relationship. But I know a lot of people that that want relationships and they don't have them because they get in these weird like self-talk circles, like especially like in the AA community, the recovery community. There's so many people that are so busy telling themselves how wonderful they are and giving themselves therapy jargon that they stay single the whole time. And then they just have like serial, you know, sexual relationships, which I know you don't. But again, I don't have a point. I'm just saying, um, you know, I, I do want you to have that. So I don't know. Whatever you need me to do to help, um, let me know, which is probably nothing. But, you know, I, I think you deserve that. I think. Well, and I, I was really you. crushed after my last relationship, I know, too. I know. And so a lot of this is yeah. touching the hot stove and, and giving myself time to heal however much time. Well, uh, it took me a long take, time, too, to heal. Know, I'm about, yeah. hopefully, if I can find a place, you know, I'm yeah. about to start a, a new chapter of my life. Mm -hmm. And I went to therapy for seven years to get to the place where I'm at now. And yeah. I've done a lot of work to lay a foundation to build, mm -hmm. um, to, to, to build wherever I'm mixing metaphors right now, but to, you know, to build you. this next chapter. I think you so should... I've done the work. It's think, just, um, like I said, I'm in a holding pattern. You know, I think you should date somebody morbidly obese, maybe on oxygen. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Me too. I have an oxygen tank right here, actually, but yeah, I'm taken. Mm -hmm. I think if you go out and do things that you enjoy, you'll find people That's that are like-minded. Like if you go to a yoga class or... Like to a pottery class, you were saying well, you wanted I've, to try I've, that. I've done that. I mean, I've done I, I've done tennis. I did tennis for yeah. several uh -huh. years. I did kickball for several years. I just I really think that I just wasn't in the headspace for it, right. and that's yeah. okay. Yeah, and I think also too. I mean, don't you shouldn't feel any sort of pressure to have to find somebody. Just guilt. Just guilt. guilt? No, but just I, no. I also. I see what Madge is saying too. I mean, you do get to an age yeah. where, like, how old are you, uh, Leslie Potter? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like <laughs> th there's just something categorically different than, mm -hmm. um, you know, yeah. I'm almost twice your age. And it, it does mm -hmm. become a reality like, holy shit, you know, I don't want to spend the rest of my life alone. Yeah. And the uh, pool of available suitors diminishes every decade that you get older and yeah. um, it was I, a lot easier yeah. for me to find somebody to date when i was in my 20s than you know when i was in my 30s and then in your 40s it's a con totally different ball of wax um and so i get i get madge's concern um but i think that what i'm saying and what she's saying aren't necessarily well, mutually just, exclusive. Just to be clear, you know, I'm not concerned I, about that you're getting too old to find somebody. I don't, from what I've seen, because I found somebody old, I, I think you can find somebody at any age. I don't think that's the issue. It's, I'm just saying that you... Well, I, no, I it, it becomes be a, a... I think my point is more... I don't... I think mm -hmm. I am often... the best version of myself in a relationship it's something that i've always uh wanted because i came from a broken home and mm. so that sense of family is very important to yeah. me but not so important that like my brother right after he got his degree he was like well i'm gonna get married now and so he just like went out all the time with the perp 
you know, with the intent of finding somebody and he was going to make it work with whoever he found. And I think a lot of straight people are that way. Yeah. Um, and that's not the way that I'm built. Like right. I want an, or I, I want a, an actual connection. Well, not, I, I shouldn't diminish what he has because I don't want to say that he doesn't have an actual connection. Yeah. I think you, you know, some of the most successful marriages are arranged marriages. That's right. Yeah. Um, Everybody wants something different. Yeah, it kind of depends on what you want. Uh, because people grow together, even if it's, you know, people grow together sometimes if they're not. That yeah, I agree. Like. But but I, I do also think that there's something to be said for waiting until you've matured and you have a better understanding of yeah. who you are before you become a spouse or a parent. Mm -hmm. You know, like one of the things... Mm -hmm we were talking about paradigm shifts earlier. Yeah. One of the big paradigms that has shifted um, since Madge and I were little girls to now mm -hmm. is that people wait a lot longer to have kids. Yeah. And I look at my friends who are parents and I'm like, holy shit, y'all are so much better at parenting than my parents were and parents of our generation yeah. are, you know, like what when we were kids, like I was everybody was latchkey in my neighborhood and at, like the parents my friends who are parents are so involved in their kids lives and like they're just so wonderful right and i think a lot of that has to do with like allowing themselves to mature a little you have all of these reproductive technologies that allow people to have kids later in life and i that's a good thing. You know what that reminds me of? I, I know you you told me to watch. Yeah, maturity and patience. This is a different yeah. subject, but um reminded me of it. You remember you the daily episode about the migrant children and how they're doing all these horrible jobs and they're basically Oh yeah. Enslaved. Oh my gosh, jaw, jaw dropping episode. So, so everybody should Long story that. short, you know, you have these kids, they're they're you know, they come here on their own. They have they have maybe a sponsor who's somebody who is kind of sketchy, might be a relative, and then they basically have to fend for themselves. And they're they're working in factories at age twelve or thirteen. They get their fingers cut off. What I was wondering is, and they never offered this, but like all the people, like maybe like you, maybe like me and my wife, certainly like my sister and her husband who have a big house and their kids are in college. Why is there a program that would allow us to sponsor these kids? Like, yeah, why? Yeah, of course, why, right? There, yeah, because I yeah, would love I think, for. I thought they were going to end with that, but I didn't. I don't know anything about that. Like, there should be a way for like people like us or whoever who have means who can demonstrate that they're not cuckoo can like just take. I wouldn't make a kid work at all. I'd be like, yeah. Well, well I'm sh I'm sure there mm -hmm. is, but mm -hmm. it's just not. Um, you know, we would, and, and that's mm -hmm. one of the I one of the faults of that episode of the daily i agree yeah. when you're giving information like that i think it's also important not to just focus on the problem but to right. say hey like if you're interested in sponsoring yeah. one of these kids who are being pushed through yeah. um but the then system I'm, and then but then, then i'm thinking about the grooming which we talked about earlier i'm like well okay so if they somebody sees me and my lesbian wife adopting a kid you know who has no you know parents groomer. in this country right they're groomer so like yeah it's i don't know well it depends so on the. Out. i'm sure it depends on the state although yeah. I, I don't know in that case if it would depend on the state because all of that is federal stuff yeah yeah i don't know but it is just horrifying what's happening yeah. right now
And every time I've, because I like Cheerios, I especially like my latest thing is Honey Nut Cheerios. Oh my God, they're so good. But Cheerios was one of the companies that was implicated in that report. So every, you know, I always look at Reagan, we're adults. We can't eat Cheerios anymore. That stuff is so over-processed. It causes cancer. Just have some, some, you can't eat that anymore. Aside from the the human rights issue, you got to stop. No more Cheerios. I'll make you a deal. You don't eat Cheerios. I won't talk about Lizzo anymore. Okay. Do you agree? Uh, I agree. Okay. I don't believe you, but that's fine. Are they going to stop? <laughs> it's such a, you know, like, I can yeah. verify if Madge has talked about Lizzo. She'll have no idea if I've eaten Cheerios. So I, no, I know, 100% agree. I know because I know I'm, I'm in contact with your plumber, and I know when those big fibrous <laughs> shits go through. <laughs> I know. But isn't it cool? I think of all the people. Do you know, it's funny that you mentioned this because the reason why I don't talk to another one of my brothers, Uh um, my brother Jeff, is over cereal. (laughs) I mean, it's more like cereal is. What? I mean, that's a misrepresentation of it. So my brother Jeff Mm -hmm. uh, um, was an odd duck and he's about nine years older than me. And one of his friends, when he was in high school, sexually abused me when I was six years old. Yeah. And so I said to Jeff, you know, relatively recently, like in the last decade, um, I was like, this happened and here's who did it. And I want to know the guy's name. And he played stupid and acted like he didn't know. And that was really hurtful to me. Mm -hmm. Um, But then he like made some comment. We were talking on Facebook where he talked about how, cause he was not nice to me when I was young. Um, and he made some comment about like how disgusted he used to be with me when I was a kid and I would eat cereal um, because it, because like the food was so processed and so bad for you, which by the way, he is, has been addicted to marijuana his entire <laughs> life. Um, and yeah, at any rate, it, it to me, it was this like moment where I went, hold on, I've come to you and told you what your friend did to me and you were so not forthcoming. But then you talk about how you were disgusted by me because I used to eat cereal. Like it to me, I couldn't help but juxtapose those two things against one another. And once I did that, oh I caught him out of my life. That's just, there's so much. That's good. There's so much in there. I mean, I would feed all those those words into ChatGPT and tell it to make a poem or something. Because there's just, <laughs> something's there. I don't know what it is. There's a, there's something meaningful in there with the Cheerios and the well, abuse. It, what it's, struck me was that yeah. he had such contempt yeah. for me when I was little. I guess my mother wasn't yeah. very nice to him. Um, in, in the, I mean, my parents divorced when I was four months old. So in the Mm -hmm. four months that he had to be around my mother, she wasn't nice. You weren't the youngest. He always held that against me. And, um, and I guess Mm -hmm. when he said that in therapy, one of the things that I was working on in therapy was like, they'll say to you, take out a picture of how old you were when you were abused. And what would you say to your younger self? Kind of like that RuPaul. I thought RuPaul made that up. You mean it came from your therapist? 
Huh? I thought RuPaul made that up. You're telling me it came from your therapist? Yeah, yeah, it came from my therapist. Yeah. So I, I've learned to become more protective. Like I used to look back at myself at that age with contempt. Mm-hmm. You know, like what one of the um, symptoms of being sexually abused can be uh, called it's aneurysis, where you pee and you poop in places that aren't the toilet. And so I used to pee on the floor of my mm-hmm. house. I mean, this blue carpet. And so the pee would like stain it mm. um, and bleach it. And and I was, and they never got the carpet changed. And we lived there for such a long time. So it was always so embarrassing when I would have friends come over. And, but, you know, so I looked at that as such an internal default. Like this is the proof of the truth of how broken of a person I am. And mm. I would look back at with such disgust yeah. at that and um and another example like i when i would have to go number two sometimes i would we had this like big screen tv in our um game room and i would like poop behind the television oh right God. and i it wasn't until i um started my career and started doing research about child sexual abuse that I was like, oh my gosh, these are common symptoms of child sexual abuse. Really? And yeah. And so what I had looked at as this like interior flaw of a kid who I no longer identified with, I was able to look at what, you know, the peer-reviewed research said and it made me have um i'm getting like a little misty talking about this but it made me feel a profound sense of compassion over that kid Mm -hmm. who i always just assumed was um bad yeah you know sure and and so for my brother like one of the reasons why i would eat shit food was because i didn't have correct parental supervision and you know like i was basic you know the my dad and my stepmother would go to the store right and so i had access to food it wasn't like i was starved but it wasn't like i had a parent who was like no we want to make sure that you're getting the proper nutrition right and so what my brother was doing was like shaming that kid who the reason why you're shaming him like it's uh, it's like um blame shifting onto a child and so i just felt very protective because of that it's weird i have dreams even now i just if oh maybe it's not normal i don't know i've always assumed everyone does but i'm always dreaming that i piss everywhere and shit everywhere it's like Hmm. in my dreams i'm always pee it's like that first episode of succession when the guy's like doesn't know he's peeing in the carpet like in the corner of the room it's oh yeah 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 like it happens to me like and i'm not peeing in the bed or anything and i'm not shitting it's like i wonder if there's some if it has to do with abuse for me i wasn't sexually abused but i was terribly abused and bullied you know just just on i and just unfathomably. starting at what age just out of curiosity uh junior high school that whole period i was uh but i was just so see, fucking I would, abused I, w- I would say maybe it had something to well yeah. hold on let me look like that period was just a living hell for me i just was terrified to go to school everybody was mean it was just it was just a radically horrifying existence hmm. you know? And I know that's why I'm a cunt to everybody, but and I have gone to therapy. I mean, I'll, not in therapy I, I dream of 
having to go pee a lot too but a lot of times it's because in like pee. reality yeah. i i actually have to get up and use the restroom while but can though do you know if those any if anuresis dreams mean anything i know you said it means something in real life about do you think i guess i could I, well i i think that it uh i think it means that I mean, for me, whenever I dream, mm -hmm. like there are times where I dream that I'm at the toilet and I'm peeing mm -hmm. and I can't like, even though I keep peeing, I'm still not getting a sense of relief. And it's because I actually have to use the restroom in real life. Um, but I don't, I mean, that's not enuresis. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe it is. I, don't know. I yeah, I don't know what mm -hmm. peeing in inappropriate places in a dream would mean though. But you don't do it? No. Do you Every do it, Leslie? I pee in my dream. I, I pee in the appropriate place. Leslie, do you pee in your dreams at all? No, but the other night I did have a dream that I pooped on the dining table at work. <laughs> hmm. I wonder what yeah. that means. Hold on. I'm going to put this up. Do you like your job, Leslie? And dream meaning. Do you like your job or were you having a bad day at it? Uh, I mean,. I did it because in the dream, I was too tired to get up to go to the bathroom. I was eating my lunch and I was like, I'm just going to poop on the napkin and then I'll put it on the table and throw it away later. But oh, then my I coworkers see. came in and they were like, ugh. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I should throw it away now. So you didn't actually get up on the table and shit? You shat like. No, I, I like scooted off the chair a little bit and I pooped in a napkin mm -hmm. and then I put it on the table. <laughs> Dreams are so fucking interesting. One dream I had, like, maybe a couple months ago that was particularly interesting and memorable. Like I found in my dream, like a wormhole to this life, mm -hmm. like to waking life. It was so weird. Like I never have lucid dreams, but I found like a portal in my dream to me. Like it was like, there was a, it's like my dream is a different universe. And I found the hole, the wormhole to get here. Well, here's mm. something wild that Sarah Silverman has talked about in her podcast. And mm -hmm. ever since she talked about it, it stuck with me. And I've started noticing the patterns as well. Okay. Because by the way, a lot of uh, lucid dreaming is recognizing patterns in your dream. Because once you recognize the patterns, okay. then you can become like, you can tell yourself, oh, I'm in the dream while I'm in the dream because you recognize the pattern. But uh -huh. um, Sarah Silverman talked. Sorry, go back, please. Can you go back? I, I missed you ten a few seconds. Sarah Silverman, what? Sarah Silverman talks about how there is a like a, a there's an architecture and a geography to her dreams. Okay. And so by that she means that there are certain stores that she goes to in her dreams or certain places that she goes to in her dreams that may shift a little bit, but they're still kind of like retain a basic shape or basic expectation. And so when she said that, it made me think about how there's always like, I do tend to go back to the same places that I've lived at in my dreams. Yeah. Although the uh, floor plan of the place will shift a little bit. Sure. Um, and also, but sometimes things will remain consistent yeah. that weren't there in actuality, like an extra floor where there will be certain rooms that I know to expect. Or I um, will always go back to like a clothing store in my dreams where I'm like, oh yeah, this is the place that has all the clothes that I really love. Right. Uh, so I, uh, that's interesting. 
Yeah, there's a definitely okay. a continuity in my dreams too, but I can't really remember it because my memory of my dreams isn't that good. But there's, it's, it feels like it's generally the same place when I dream. Yeah, though it's different. Well, it, and the ancient Greeks and ancient Romans, um, they believed in something called Loki, L-O-C-I, mm-hmm. um, which means basically location or place and memory for the classical thinkers was intimately connected to location. Mm-hmm. So you know how like we'll say when somebody's making an argument, they'll say, oh, in the first place or in second place, yeah, that shows you how like a lot of the way, how their thought was yeah, often sure. tied to Well, and when you memorize things, I don't know if you've ever done this, but when I memorize things, it's always, or when I listen to a podcast, if I remember there's a, a certain thing that comes to mind and I'm in like walking past the chickens, I will remember it with that location very often. Yeah. yeah. So that that's actually the method of low key was yeah. a, a way, it was a method of memory mm-hmm. or recollection. So like, keep in mind that in ancient Greece, it's primarily an oral culture. So being mm-hmm. able to memorize stories was really important. And um, they would actually have memorization competitions to see, you know, who could memorize the most in a period of time. And Mm -hmm. um, so uh, they would construct these things called memory palaces. And the idea is that you take a location that you're super familiar with. And as you're memorizing a speech, you associate like, okay, here's one part of the speech. When I first walk into my apartment, I'm going to associate this you know, this part of my apartment, maybe it's like where I would drop my keys, right? Exactly. With this part of the speech. And so as you're trying to remember things, you're walking, you're visually like your mind's eye, you're walking through a familiar space. So how does that tie into the dream thing? In a particular order will help you remember different parts. So how does that tie into the dream, to the dream thing? Huh? How does that tie into the dreams? Well, it just, just how integrated location is to the way that we organize as human beings information. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and I, I don't think that that is typically something that people think a lot about. Here's another example. So I just, I have a piece in peer review right now um, that looks at uh, the first gay bar that I went to called Heaven, which actually ended up burning <laughs> to I th- I the ground, which I always thought was kind of funny. Yeah, I think it's a place but, on um, Earth, isn't it? And so I talk about how Heaven functions as this primary locus or location in the way that I make sense of the world and the way that I communicate with people. And one of the reasons is, like I compare it to you know how like a lot of people will say for LGBTQ people, their adolescence really takes place once they come out of the closet and start going to gay bars. Sure. Because that's when they really start getting to experiment with their sexuality. And mm-hmm. and so I talk about like if you think about how like at a high school where that happens for most like straight kids, how the school demands a particular style and structure of thinking. So like the way that prom is organized in terms of prom king and prom queen. That's what gets centered at that institution. Or how restrooms are binary for male and female, right? Mm -hmm. And so LGBTQ styles of communication aren't really intelligible in that location, right? They don't have like the prom queen along with the prom queen, right? 
But when you go into a <laughs> gay bar, suddenly you're able, uh, th- things are structured differently. So like you go to bathrooms and gay bars and, you know, it's funny when you see like women in line for the quote unquote ladies room. And then they also see men in that line and their mind stumbles over that. Like, hold on, I'm in line for the women's room. And then the gay person will be like, this is a gay bar, honey. Like the structure is different. Mm -hmm. And so there is this connection between location and the way that we make sense of the world and the way that we talk about the world. And um, and if you look at some of like the primary locations in your life that really helped lay a foundation for the way that you think, you're constantly going back and filtering your understanding of the world through those primary locations. So it makes sense that in our dreams, a lot of times we go back to these primary locations that may shift a little bit, you know, their blueprint alters. Yeah. But yeah, it's, um, and it's not, it's nothing new. I mean, we've been, you know, thinkers have been theorizing this for the past 2000 years. Yeah. I don't know. I just wonder what all those things are. I don't, I never understood why we dream really. I still don't. I mean, I get it kind of, but not really. I mean, we're just processing information, but why does it have to be conscious? It's so weird. There's so much we don't understand, I think. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I need I need to go walk my dog. Yeah, since we're done here. Anything else you wanted to say, Lazy Pooter, before we end? No, I got to go take a shower. Mm-hmm. Well, do it uh, in the bathroom, not on the table. That's all I can say. Do it wherever you want. Don't be limited. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. All right, everyone. So I'm going to play the side two of Sylvia Shoin, whatever her name is. My comedy. Brown. Strown. She's so funny. Oh, my God. That lady's hilarious. Um, All right. Thank you. Okay. See you next time. Bye. Thanks. Good talking to you, girls. Bye, honey. Bye. Bye. Squish sound. Bye. That's done. Okay. Now I can put on my my turd table. Oh, that's funny. Turd table. Sylvia Stown, side two, coming as soon as I turn the needle. Oh, wait, I didn't turn the, the potentiometer down. Let's see here. I might take that part. Oh, never mind. If I'm going to take it out, I don't want to mention it here because then I'll have to take it out here too. But I might take something out that you haven't heard. Don't worry about it. It wasn't good. Have a nice something. When you came in, you saw my name on the marquee just outside. You knew what the name implied. I'm not December Bride. As you can see... You figured here's the chance to hear the things you'd like to say. The things you'd never say. Well, not here anyway. So settle back, relax a bit, and let me bend your ear. Why I tell you who I am and why I'm here. I'm saucy Sylvia, slightly risque. But that's okay. We're all grown-ups, aren't we? Well, aren't we? I'm not 
so sure about you, sir. I'm saucy Sylvia telling you tales of oversexed males, oversized females living bras, illusion giving bras. I'm not so sure about you. I'll solve all your problems regarding matters sexual. Though I'm no intellectual, that's true. quite small and thinks that it's deplorable well tell him it's adorable and that will see him through I'm saucy Sylvia nothing but class singing my ASCAP songs and you'll be glad be glad that you were bad with Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you like animal stories. Most people do. My favorite story is about the three bears. The papa bear came downstairs and he said, who's been eating my porridge? Who's been eating my porridge? And then the baby bear came downstairs and he said, who's been eating my porridge? Who's been eating my porridge? And then the mama bear came downstairs and she said, bitch, 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 I haven't even made the porridge yet. Like further of those stories, ladies and gentlemen, I think one of the cutest ones is about the two angleworms that were crawling along the ground. And one angleworm said to the other angleworm, after they had run into a caterpillar, one angleworm said to the other angleworm, I wonder what that bitch did to get that fur coat. <laughs> and if you like parrot stories, this is one of the cutest. This is about the drunken woman that falls into the bar, and she's got this parrot on her finger, and she says, Anybody that can guess the weight of this parrot can go to bed with me. And some drunk sitting at the bar says, 75 pounds. She says, that's close enough. Come on. <laughs> and I would like to tell you the definition of happiness. Happiness is discovering your wife needs a bigger bra. Happiness is discovering for the first time that you can do it the second. <laughs> Happiness is your mother-in-law's Maj group being picked up on a narcotics charge. <laughs> Happiness is a $500 call girl giving you for reference. <laughs> Happiness is discovering your babysitter is Lolita. <laughs> Happiness is Bobby Kennedy writing a book on birth control. <laughs> Happiness is your best friend marrying a nymphomaniac who owns a liquor store. <laughs> And finally, happiness is your brother-in-law who doesn't drink or smoke and gets gonorrhea. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you know that lately the trend has been towards spy and undercover agents. For instance, James Bond as the rough-and-tumble Sean Connery, who makes his way through the underworld by working undercovers. I mean undercover And then there's Robert Vaughn As the man from UNCLE Who runs around the world with a kid with long blonde hair Who in reality is the son of Lady Clairol But only his hairdresser knows that But not since Mata Hari has there been a lady spy Therefore, 
coming to your theater very soon. Yours truly, Janie Bond, starring in The Woman from Auntie. <laughs> I'm known as Agent Janie Bond, a name of which I've grown quite fond. I've had it embroidered on all of my panties. Just look me up. I'm the woman from Andy. I'm Agent 0069. The only weapons I possess are hidden here beneath my dress. I wear a bra, size 43, holds two big revolvers, the rest is me. I drive a car with plenty of class. It uses Jim Beam instead of gas. The seats fold down under strain and stress. So there's plenty of headroom in that horizontal express. I had a case in Pakistan in which I captured a most wanted man. I tore off his coat and when I opened his vest, there staring at me was a very womanly chest. Is that all you, I asked, in an envious way? He just nodded yes as his clothes fell away. It wasn't a he, but a she in disguise. And there was 0068 across both of her thighs. I'm Agent 0069. hold tear gas, my comb is a knife. I wear poison lipstick to take my own life. But the item that's been most effective for me is something I won't let just any man see. I use it so often to capture my man. They try to resist it, but none of them can. I press it against them, and that's when they melt from the icy cold locks on my chastity belt. I'm a people, ladies and gentlemen, I do want to say that since I've been on tour, this is my first tour for national recognition, that some of the greatest material that I get comes right from the audience, right from you people. I've been all around this country, and would you believe, June, that I was a teacher? I really was. Most people don't believe that. I tell you, my mother would flip if she knew I was doing this. She thinks I'm a call girl in Ann Arbor. <laughs> 
I was asking you know, if, you'd, if you switch out there where you live, uh, Gloria, because I've often thought that you'd rather switch than fight because it's what's up front that counts. And I always get very amazed when I hear a beautiful woman say, I've tried everything and I still prefer a camel. <laughs> this fellow met a girl on the street. He said, would you like to play a game called cigarette? And she said, how do you play that? He said, well, do you want to walk the mile or do you want to satisfy? She said, well, that depends whether it's regular or king size. And he said, well, it's filter tip. <laughs> And by the way, this is National Sex Week, and all the girls that gave it the office do not have to give it home. <laughs> Bill, you have eight children, Bill? Oh, you are a sex maniac, you. Well, I have advice for you. Next time you wake up, get up. <laughs> all right, is that good? All right, let me give you some of the things that have come in. Someone sent this up to me. Have you heard about Skinner, who took his gal to dinner? Along about nine, after cocktails and wine, it was in her, the dinner, not Skinner. Skinner was in her before dinner. <laughs> Here's another one that came up to me when I was in uh, Indianapolis. A toast. Here's to it, and from it, and to it again. And if you don't do it, when you get to it, may you never get to it to do it again. The birds do it, the bees do it. My mama told me not to do it. But I'll tell you what I will do. I'll lie still while you do it. <laughs> Don't you like those poems? Do you like little nursery rhymes? Things like, the farmer in the dell is getting mad as hell. His daughter gives away for free what she's supposed to sell. <laughs> Old Mother Hubbard went to the cupboard to get her poor dog a bone. When she bent over, Rover took over. Rover had a bone of his own. <laughs> little Miss Muffet sat on the tuffet eating her curds and whey. Along came a spider and sat down beside her and said, what's in the bowl, bitch? <laughs> And I don't know whether you've seen this commercial. Have you seen this commercial? I picked it up when I was working out in Phoenix, Arizona. Maybe you have seen it where the girl comes out in her negligee and the fellow is shaving. And she says, good morning, Mr. Gray. He says, good morning, Mrs. Gray. And she says, gee, I love my new name. And he says, don't get too used to it, toots. Check out times in a half hour. <laughs> amazing this came up to me young girl runs in and says mother mother I'm pregnant the mother said who's the father the girl says I don't know you wouldn't let me go steady <laughs> someone sent this up there was a young girl from St. Paul who went to a birth control ball she bought all the devices at ridiculous prices and nobody asked her at all <laughs> I keep my arms wide open all the time I keep myself quite willing all the time I keep my pants up with a piece of twine because you're mine, unwind the twine. <laughs> one animal has the shortest sex life, a frog, one jump and he croaks. <laughs> Am I a people? Am I a people? No, you're a chicken. Do chicken come from people? No, chicken come from eggs. Are eggs born? No, eggs are laid. Are all people laid? No, some people are chicken. <laughs> And you know, we tell the ages of women geographically. From 15 to 25, they're like Africa, half explored and half unexplored. And from 25 to 35, they're like Asia, hot, torrid, and mysterious. And from 35 to 45, they're like America, streamlined, efficient, and cooperative. And from 45 to 55, they're like Europe, devastated but still good. And after 55, they're like Australia. Everybody knows where it is, but nobody ever goes there. <laughs> 
And I think this is one of the cutest things I've ever seen. This was sent up to me in Minneapolis, and it's what we call an expense statement. And here it is. Ad for female stenographer, dollar. Violets for new stenographer, dollar and a half. Week salary for new stenographer, $45. Roses for stenographer, $5. Candy for wife, 90 cents. Lunch for stenographer, $7. Week salary for stenographer, $60. Movie tickets for wife and self, $1.20. Theater tickets for steno and self, $16. Ice cream sundae for wife, 30 cents. Mary's salary, Mary's salary, $75. Champagne and dinner for Mary and self, $32.50. Doctor for stupid stenographer, $375. Mink stole for wife, $1,700. Ad for male stenographer, dollar and a half. Is that cute? Is that true? She was poor, but she was honest. Victim of a rich man's whim. But he promised to be faithful, so she had a child by him. Now he sits in legislature, making laws for all mankind, while she walks the streets of Brisbane, selling chunks of her behind. <laughs> Isn't that touching? That is really very touching. Well, you know, I made some records, ladies and gentlemen. The first one that I recorded was <clears throat> Take Your Love and Shove It Up Your Heart, which I recorded on the other side of How Can I Love You If You Don't Lay Down. <laughs> Then I recorded the things we did last summer I've been taking shots for all winter long. <laughs> on the other side of that, I recorded I don't want a mansion in the valley, I just want a shack up on the hill. <laughs> Finally, I recorded I've got the sun in the morning and the dad at night. <laughs> Now this town is full of guys Who think they're mighty wise Just because they know a thing or two You can see them every day going up and down Broadway Telling of the lovers they all knew Now there's con men and boosters Card men and crap shooters They congregate around the Metropole they wear fancy ties and collars Oh, but where they get their dollars Let me tell you, they've all got an ace Down in the hole Some of them write To the old folks for coin That's their old ace in the hole of the trips that they are going to make from Florida up to the old North Pole But I said their names would be mud like a chump playing stud 